0: Well, thank you, bands. and hello, please take a seat. Uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't know me, I'm Josh, and we're just so glad you are here and joining us for part four of uh, a series we've been doing here at Beyond called Comparison Trap. Now, this series is all be- has all been uh, pointed towards helping you overcome your tendency to compare. You know what's interesting about comparisons is it's something you didn't have to learn. Nobody had to sit you down and give you the comparison talk. Nobody had to teach you how to compare. It's not something that your teachers had to teach you in grade one or two or three. It's not something you read in a book. It's just something that we naturally seem to gravitate towards. We seem to naturally uh, gravitate towards playing this game of comparisons, Well, we look to our left and we look to our right and we evaluate how we're going based on where everybody else is. We evaluate our own value by comparing specific aspects of our own lives to the lives of others. We look at how much money they've got and we look at how much money we've got and we determine how we're going. We look at how popular they are and we look at how popular we are and we determine how we're going. And we look at who who they're friends with and we look at who we're friends with and we work out how we're going. Ultimately, we said over the course of this series that playing this game of comparisons is a trap because when we play this game of comparisons, we become a rung and everybody else in our lives becomes a rung on what we call the comparison ladder where uh, we categorise and we rank people depending on how they measure up compared to others. We determine who's okay and who's not okay. We determine if we're all right in our lives. Not only that, but we, ter- we determine who's better than okay. We determine who's richer, who's wealthier, who's hip-er, who's skinnier, who's fit We work out who's got the er over everybody else. And ultimately, this game of comparisons leads us uh, to fall into this competition to fight for the top, to fight for being the best, better than everybody else. Ultimately, this is something that we naturally gravitate towards, whether you are aware of it or not. We seem to generally compare our own lives to the lives of others. But while this is something we naturally do, it's something that we don't take the time to evaluate and work out whether this is a game we want to play. A lot of the time, we jump into this game before we work out what, whether it's of benefit to us or not. And so during the week, I went to the liberty of um, putting together just a list of some of the pros and some of the cons of playing this game of comparisons, just so you're aware of, uh, of it, so you know whether it's a game you want to play. And so I'll put the pros up on the screen and as you can see, there is literally no win. There is no pros. That is pretty much like the score of like, the last 20 origins that uh, New South Wales has played. There is just no win whatsoever like, there is no winner comparisons, we've come back to this over and over and over, over the course of this series, even if you reach the top of the comparison ladder, even if you reach the top, because at the end of the day, when you reach the top, it causes you to mistreat others because you think you are better than everybody else. Not only that, while there's no pros, there's a whole lot of cons, there's a whole lot of negatives that come along with this game of comparisons, and we've talked about them during the series. They prevent us from seeing our own value and beauty. Not only that, but they steal our joy. As Theodore Roosevelt so eloquently put it, comparisons is the thief of joy. It steals our joy because at the end of the day, comparisons, they deprive us and they prevent us from being content with what we have. They make us look out to what we don't have. They make us look out to what others have rather than looking at what we do have And ultimately, we're always searching for more. We're always discontent with what we have because they've got more than us. Oh, but they've got that. And all of a sudden, we're left at this place of discontentment. And we talked about this in part two, and we said the shortcut to contentment and the shortcut to ultimately overcoming your tendency to compare is to be grateful for what you have, to take the focus of what others have and to focus on what you've been given, to be thankful and grateful for what God has placed in your hands. And and finally, not only do comparisons cost you, but they cost the people around you because they diminish your ability and your capacity to love the people around you. Because at the end of the day, comparisons and this game of comparison trap is ultimately a dogfight. It turns everybody into an opponent, it turns life into a competition, it's a fight for the top, you're trying to get the better of everybody else and ultimately to get the better of everybody else, it causes you to secretly hope that others will fail and it causes you to celebrate when others do fail because that means that's of benefit to you because you rung up, you step up the ladder. At the end of the day, there just is no win and comparison, we've been talking about that over the course of this series. And in parts two and three, we kind of gave you the first two steps to overcoming this uh, trap. We said that gratitude, being thankful for what God has given you, and celebrating the success of others, these are kind of the first two steps to overcoming this comparison trap. But tonight, in part four, I want to kind of give you the silver bullet. I want to give you the, the knockout punch. I want to give you the right hook. I want to help you knock this comparison trap dead flat so you overcome it once and for all, so it doesn't steal your joy and hurt you and cause you to hurt the people around you. Because at the end of the day, it's something we naturally seem to fall into, but it's something that will hurt us ultimately. Which leaves us with an all-important question, it's the question that we're going to start on tonight. Why would we do something naturally that would hurt us ultimately? Why would we naturally gravitate towards this game of comparisons if in the end there is no benefit for us? Why would we move towards doing something that's going to hurt us and hurt, cause us to hurt the people we love the most? Uh, over the course of the series, we've been looking at this thing called the appetite for known. And the reason why we do this naturally, even though it's going to hurt us ultimately, is because we have this desire to be known. It's within all of us to be known. To be known by someone for something. We all desire to be known by someone for something. There's an audience in mind when we go to school, when we when we go to work. There's a group of people that we want to be known by, and there's something that we want to be known for. At the end of the day, though, this appetite for known leaves us with a question. And it's a question we all have to answer, whether we like it or not. It's a question you've already answered, whether you are aware of it or not. And the question is this. Who or what are you going to allow to be the measure of your value? Who or what are you going to allow to be the measure of your value? At the end of the day, it's a question that you've already answered, and it's a question that you have to answer. And you can answer this a million different ways. You can allow your success, you can allow your wealth, you can allow your popularity, you can allow uh, your importance to define your value, to be the measure of your value. But at the end of the day, your response to this question is so critical, because it will determine the contentment you experience, but not only that, it will determine if you compare and what you will compare about yourself to others. And I just wanted to put together a kind of a list of some of the popular responses to this question, because you can answer this a million different ways, but I just put together some of the, some of the most popular ways uh, to answer this question. of what's, what's the best measure? Some people think it's career. Some people think that putting your career as the measure is a great way to feel good about you. When we, uh, when we say that, you know, we're a doctor, that, that, that becomes the value measure. Others of us, it's not career, but it's wealth. The more money you have in your bank account, the better you feel about you. Ultimately, that decides how you're going in life. Others, it's about talent. The more talented you are, the more skilled you are, the, uh, the fact that you made the team, the fact that you made the musical, that determines how you feel about you. Others, it's success. The more successful you are, the better you feel about you. Others, it's popularity. The more likes, the more followers, the more friends you have, that ultimately determines, determines how you feel about you. Others of you, is, it's if, or, uh, if you're dating or not. If you're dating, you feel great, but when you're not, you don't. All of a sudden, it's, it's this game of uh, to try and date the best person, because when you date the best person, you feel great about you. Others, others, others of you, it's intelligence. When you get that OP, when you get that A+, plus, you feel good about you. And others of you, it's body image. The better you look, the better you feel about you. You can answer this question a million different ways. Who or what you are going to allow to be the measure of your value? There's a problem with a lot of these popular responses and the problem with a lot of the ways we respond to this question. And the problem is this. When you choose an answer that is situation or circumstance uh, dependent, then your contentment and ultimately your self-value and your self-worth is dependent on that circumstance and it can rise and fall just as quickly as your success can rise and fall, just as quickly as your grades can rise and fall. One day you're at the top of the world and the next day you're at the bottom, all because, all because you didn't get that promotion at work, or because you made a few bad decisions with your wealth and all of a sudden uh, you're back, you, you've lost a couple thousand dollars, you've lost a couple hundred dollars. Or because she broke up with you, and all of a sudden you feel less about you. Or because uh, you you didn't get that mark, you got a B plus. I never understood the people that complained about getting a B plus in English. Like for me, I would sell my kidney for a B plus. But others, it's like the worst thing ever. You got a B plus. Why do you feel bad about a B plus? Well, it's because that's the measure. When you get a B plus, you feel less about you because at the end of the day. That's what you've decided is what your value is attached to. You can answer this a million different ways. Maybe the worst way to answer this is your body image. And I really just want to talk about this really quickly because a lot of us have decided that our body image is going to be our measure. But it is the worst way to answer the question and I'm just going to let you know really quickly why. If you haven't worked it out already, you are not getting any younger, which means in 10 years' time, in 15 years' time, you aren't going to look as cute as what you do now. Which means, unfortunately, if you allow your body image to be your measure, at the end of the day, you are just going to be discontent with who you are. You're going to look in the mirror and you are never going to be happy with the person you are because that is what you've decided is your measure of your value. You can answer this a million different ways. But if, you, if your decision or if your response is situation and circumstance dependent, you have no option but to compare because at the end of the day, you have no way of deciding and determining how you're going and if you're okay. And we all want to know that we're okay. So how do we know that we're okay regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstance? If you want to escape your tendency to compare... You need to respond to this question in a way that is not circumstance or situation dependent, that your value doesn't rise and fall depending on what's going around you. And tonight, I'm going to give you the option, I'm going to give you a a potential way to answer this question and it may not surprise you what the answer is because we're in church after all, and the answer in church, if you haven't discovered it already, and church people, I want you to play along. The answer is always Jesus, right? Jesus. It is always, gee, you gave me a freak out there. It's always Jesus. It is almost always Jesus. Somebody asks you where the bathroom is. If you don't know, just say Jesus, you'll be right. Like, the answer is almost always Jesus. And tonight, that is kind of going to be the conclusion. But I don't want you to switch off. Some of you are already rolling your eyes like, oh Josh, can't you just tell us something new? The answer is always Jesus. Well, while that may be the conclusion, while you may already know the conclusion, tonight I want to give you the explanation. Tonight, Tonight, I want to give you the why behind the what. Tonight, I want to help you understand why so many people believe this to be the best way to responding to this question. At the end of the day, it's up to you to decide who or what you are going to allow to be the measure of your value. You don't have to select this option at the end of the day, it's up for you to decide. But tonight I just want to inform you about this, this option and worse comes to worse, I just confirm the fact that, that this isn't something you want to affiliate with, this isn't an option that you want to consider, but at least hear me out because I want to give you the explanation. And to help give the explanation as to why you may want to consider allowing Jesus to be the measure of your value. I want to look at uh, the writing of a guy named Paul. Paul is a guy whose life was literally changed in a moment. He had an encounter with Jesus and he went from somebody who despised Christians, somebody who tried to stamp out the early church, to becoming somebody who went and planted many churches and told them about just why Jesus was so amazing. And he wrote all these letters, we've got 13 or so letters written by Paul about this one message, about this one person, about why they're worth following. And I just want to jump in on one of these letters, a particular letter that Paul wrote to this uh, uh, city and this church in Galatia. And Paul uh, is within this letter, writes about what we were talking about earlier, how there are some things that we do naturally that hurt us ultimately. And Paul likes to refer to this phenomenon as slavery and we're going to pick up on in Galatians 4.3, if you want to follow on, is on the screen. And Paul writes in Galatians 4.3, he writes, we were slaves to the basic principles of this world. And Paul's very deliberate about using this imagery of slaves, and slavery because slaves don't do things because they want to slaves do things because they have to right and and what Paul's trying to make here is a point Paul's trying to show us that the reason why we do things naturally that hurts us ultimately is not our fault but is in fact the world in which we live in and which we were born into and it's just something that we will always naturally gravitate towards But Paul doesn't leave it there, he uses this as a platform to go on to explain. He says, "Um, but when, in other words, this used to be our fate, but something changed, but when the right time came, God sent His Son, who is Jesus, beautiful, we're getting there, into the world, uh, born of a woman, which just sounds like basic biology, I'm willing to bet that 100% of the people in this room are born of a woman. Paul is not just explaining basic biology, don't you worry, Uh, but he, in fact, is trying to communicate a point. He's trying to demonstrate that Jesus became human and He set foot on earth and He experienced life just as you and I experienced it and He was subject to the same tensions and struggles that you and I face And ultimately, he was subject to the law. And Paul, with all this in mind, goes on to explain just why God sent his son, Jesus. And he goes on in the next verse and he writes, God sent him, why? To buy freedom for us, who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Why did Jesus, why was Jesus sent into the world? It was very simple. To buy you freedom, to set you free, to set you free from comparisons, to set you free from envy, set you free from anger, to set you free from uh, discontentment. At the end of the day, Jesus came to set you free from your sins. At the end of the day, He came to set you free and open a doorway to a new future. And that freedom didn't. Jesus didn't just snap His fingers and all of a sudden things were good. It came at a price. Notice that he writes, God sent him to buy freedom for us. In other words, it came at a cost. And this is just such a significant idea that I want to give you an illustration to help you just kind of grasp the significance of what Paul's trying to say. In my hands here, I've got an iTunes gift card. Now, the quantity or the value of this gift card can change, right? This gift card could be worth anything from $20 to $100. Yet, what determines the value of the gift card? Ultimately, how much I pay for it. If I pay the cashier $20, this gift card is worth $20. If I pay $50, it's worth $50. If I pay $100, the gift card is worth $100. In other words, the price determines the value. The price determines the value. And this is so important because if Jesus came to buy freedom for us, the price determines the value, right? And do you know what that price was? Your freedom cost Jesus His life. And if the price determines the value and the cost was Jesus' life, that means something for you. Ultimately, if you were bought at Jesus' life, you were worth everything to Jesus, You are worth everything because if somebody thinks you're worth dying for, then you are worth everything to them. Jesus gave up everything so that you could be set free, and you are worth everything to him. Regardless of how your life looks, regardless of how you measure up, you are worth everything to him. Paul kind of goes on from here with this idea in mind, and he goes on in verse 6 and he goes on to write. and it's going to be on the next slide. Beautiful, uh, and because we were His children, or because we are His children, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out "Abba, Father." And that word "Abba" does not refer to the eighty singing Swedish band, but it is referring to something um, completely different. Uh, it's talking about Paul's talking about uh, an Aramaic word. It's an Aramaic word that. Um, Jesus, in fact, used to address His Heavenly Father when He prayed um, right before He died. And He uses the word, Abba, and it's not a Greek word. Uh, The Greek doesn't actually have an equivalent to this word, so He just inserts this word, Abba. But this word kind kind of is a bit like Father, but it's far more relational than Father. In fact, it literally translates something like Dad or Daddy. In other words, Jesus came and set you, to set you free and to buy you a relationship with Him. So you could live in a relationship with Him and this isn't just some business partnership, this formality, but it is a personal and intimate relationship that you get to experience with Him, that you get to call Him Dad. I've never, I've never met a perfect parent, but I've met a whole lot of good parents. Um, I, I actually am um, part of a youth group And I get to meet a whole lot of parents. And you know what every parent says about their kid? You know what every uh, dad says about their son? Every mother says about their daughter? Is that they're priceless. That they wouldn't trade them for the world. That they are worth everything to them. And that's a not so perfect parent. That's a parent that gets things wrong from time to time. How much more do you think your heavenly father thinks of you? How much more do you think you are worth to him? At the end of the day, He gave up everything for you and what you won't find in this letter that Paul writes in Galatians is a condition. This love didn't come with a condition. A lot of the people uh, that Paul is writing to believe that in order to get this relationship, you needed to kind of follow a set of rules. You needed to follow the law of Moses, that you needed to get circumcised in order to be right with God. And Paul writes this and he says, no, it doesn't come with a condition, I Jesus has done it all, all you need to do is embrace that. And if you want to escape your comparison trap, that's all you really need to do, is embrace the idea that regardless of what what happened in your past, regardless of what's happening in your current circumstances, regardless of how you measure up, regardless of your popularity, your wealth, regardless of your success and whether you're dating her or not, He loves you. And if you want to escape the comparison trap, you don't need to look to others to determine your value, all you need to do is look in the mirror and remember that He did it all for you and that you are worth everything to Him and that He loves you regardless of the circumstance, regardless of how you measure up. And with all this in mind, Paul draws his conclusion in verse 7, he says, now you are no longer a slave, that's in the past, and there's something new, but you are God's own child, and since you are His child, you have been made His heir. The word heir, you may have heard that, you know, referring to like a prince, He's the heir to the throne. Using that word heir is referring to an inheritance. What Paul's pointing out here is, while Jesus loves you just as you are, while you're worth everything to Him just as you are, there's more. He He loves you just as you are, but He wants more for your life. He's got a plan for your life. He's got a future for your life. You know what that plan and that future doesn't include? It doesn't include comparing yourself to the people around you. Because at the end of the day, Jesus wants the best for you and there is no win in comparison. There is no benefit at the end of the day. And it's something you don't need to embrace. You don't need to look to others to find out how you're doing All you need to do is remember how much you're worth to Him and let Him be the measure. So, there's your option. There's your option. As I said, you can take it or leave it, it's up to you. At the end of the day, you're the one who decides who or what you're going to allow to be your measure. And that's ultimately what I want you to do this week. Here at Beyond, we've got this thing called Full Monday because we want to add value to you. We want to help you make better decisions and live with fewer regrets. We want to make a positive impact in your life and help you change for Monday. But as you and I both know, information doesn't change anything. It's ultimately applied information that changes anybody's life. And so this week, uh, what I want each and every one of you to do, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, I want you to determine... Who or what you're going to allow to be the measure of your value? At the end of the day, you could answer this a million different ways. You've already answered it. So, this week, I want you to at least consider it. At least perk this question of who or what you're going to allow to be your measure. It will determine if you compare and what you compare yourself to. It's such an important question for you to answer. And if you're somebody here tonight who's considering the Jesus option, who's considering the, the answer is always Jesus option, well, I wanted to give you a, a Full Monday specifically for you. Uh, this week, uh, I've created kind of a second Full Monday for everybody who wants to take that Jesus option, who wants to allow Him to be the measure of your value. At the end of the day, if you want to take your cue from the One who created you, the One who loves you and the One who died for you, Uh, I've created kind of multiple steps that you could take. You don't need to take them all, but they're potential steps because at the end of the day, we're talking about a relationship. We're not talking about a formality. And so, if you've ever been in a relationship or if you've ever had a friendship, you know that relationships are unique, that friendships are unique. And the way you interact with your friends is different depending on who you are and depending on your existing relationship with them. And it's the same with your Heavenly Father. And so if you want to take your cue from him and allow him to be your measure, kind of put together four options that you could take this week. Uh, one is to join a connect group. Here at Beyond, uh, we believe that circles are better than rows and so we've uh, got connect groups that join throughout the week and they uh, are groups of people who are there for one another, people who are wrestling with similar questions and who are helping journeying with one another through life and helping them overcome some of the struggles and tensions they face. And that's something that we would love you to get into. Um, If that's something you're interested in, we would love to shoot you up to the connect group and jump into one of those uh, connect groups because that would be a fantastic first step if you're not in a connect group already. Another one, um, if you're a reader or if you love reading, uh, would be to read the book of Ephesians. Uh, Paul wrote a lot of letters, one was Galatians, another one was Ephesians and this book of Ephesians is literally six chapters long, it'll take you about an hour and a half to read but it's a book that's all about identity, it's all about who you are to God and about what it means to be in a relationship with Him and that would be a fantastic step if you want to find out more about what it means to take your cue from Him. Others of you, you hate reading or you just don't want to pick up a Bible, you don't own a Bible, uh, but you do want to take your cue from Jesus. Uh, We've created um, kind of a set of Instagram and Facebook posts that we're going to upload throughout the week. We've already got our first one up there on our Beyond Church Facebook page. We're going to upload these uh, Bible verses, and under that, just a paragraph describing just what it means to have a relationship with your Heavenly Father. And it's up there right now if you want to get on that. The final one, if this is all just a little bit scary, just come back next week for our brand new series and begin to lean in to who Jesus is and to lean in to what that means for you. That is the full Monday this week, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to wrap up in just a second. And as we draw to a close on this this series and on tonight, I want to leave you with one question while you're considering this all. One question, and it's simply this What story do you want to tell? Each and every one of you are already in the process of writing your life story. Each and every one of you have already written a story. And you have the option to continue to write that story, to continue to write a story that you want to tell. See, the decisions you make today impact the story that you will tell tomorrow. What story do you want to tell? So the way you respond to this question will determine and will affect the story that you tell in the future. Wouldn't it be great to tell a story of somebody that was just at peace in their life? Things kind of went wrong from time to time. Things didn't go to plan all the time with friendships. Things, you know, didn't go to plan with your career. But at the end of the day, it didn't matter what happened. You were at peace. At the end of the day, you could experience joy and you were content with what you had, you were content with the way you looked. Wouldn't it be great to wake up every morning and look at yourself in the mirror and regardless of how your life's doing, regardless of your past, regardless of your current circumstances, that you could look yourself in the mirror and that you could know that you are loved and that you could know that you are worth everything. Isn't that a story you want to tell? If you do, by that, it all comes down to that question. Who or what are you going to allow to define your worth? Who or what are you going to allow to be the measure of your value? It's up to you. And it will determine if you compare and what you will compare yourself to. And so, we're going to end it right there. I really hope you escape the comparison trap and we're going to pray right now. Dear God, uh, we just thank You that, uh, for everything You've done for us. We thank You that You uh, think that we're worth everything, and that You think we're worth uh, dying for. Uh, we just pray that You would help us to embrace that truth, Lord, and that uh, You would help us to escape the comparison trap. Uh, we pray all these things in Your name. Amen.